Come on, give God a hand, clap of praise as Reverend Sparks come. He's been here for 15 years. We got a love on him. We can't wait to March when Pastor Anniversary gets here. Let's love on him today. Come on. He's been there. God sent. How many of you believe you have chains that need to be broken? We struggle all the time trying to figure out why we're not moving forward, why we're not going where we need, or where we, maybe even where we want to go. Maybe there's a chain holding you. Maybe there's a chain holding you recognizing change in our lives. Change are not always physical. Sometimes they're emotional. Oftentimes they're invisible. Sometimes they just attach to you when you get to a certain place. Some folk got church chains. Won't let you authentically praise. When I say authentically, I don't mean standing up, raising your hand. I just mean doing whatever the Lord allows you to do in that moment. Those chains. We're at crossroads in the church. There's a young movement that's pushing the church further than it ever has in terms of this worship style. But just as strongly as that youth movement is pulling it one way, there's another movement holding it down. The only thing that's going to happen under those circumstances is you're just going to tear it apart. It's going to split right in the middle. Surely there are better ways for us to figure this out. I'm watching it happen. It's unfolding. These are strange times in church. Folk, folk talking more about Kanye than they are Jesus. But well, they are. Truth be told, they are. And I'm not against Kanye, I'm for him. I want every Sunday morning to be live. But six months ago, I wasn't talking about Kanye. I'm still talking about Jesus. <laughs> I hope I'm talking about the same thing in six, six months from now. Don't wrap your arms so tight around something that may not prove lasting. I've told my children, I love what Kanye is doing, but he stands in a place to hurt a lot of people. 
if he's not sincere in what he's doing. Because he's going to lead them to a place that's not sustainable. Some folk just following Kanye. They're not following Jesus. And I want us to be mindful of that because I know we're listening and hearing and learning a lot of stuff. But make sure Jesus is in the middle of it. Amen? That's important. No matter how, big, how many big pulpits he goes into, how many big churches, all is not what it seems. Jesus comes to faithful believers. And he worships with us. I want to hear, is this the time of year you most anticipate? Is this a good time of year for you? Somebody came to you right now and said, are you ready for Christmas? What does that mean to you? What does it mean to be ready for Christmas? What does it mean? Does that mean you've done your shopping? You got your decorations up? Taking some time off? What does being ready for Christmas Christmas mean? Today starts a season of Advent in the Christian church. Advent is the period leading up to Christmas, including the four Sundays immediately preceding. And so today would be the first day of Advent and it will run through the 24th of this month and include all the Sundays until then. This uh, month has five Sundays in it. Now, that might not mean anything because a lot of Baptist churches don't talk about Advent and that period of waiting or coming, but that's, that's what happens. There are some some orthodox churches who wouldn't talk about Jesus during the period of Advent because according to the liturgical calendar, Jesus ain't here yet. It's a period of time for him to come. And so those sermons wouldn't be appropriate according to that liturgical calendar. Not to say you can't allude to him, but we ought to be preaching his coming, his expectation, what we desire from him. But none of that matters if you don't understand what the season is all about in the first place. And what I've come to know based on my little experience is that for a lot of people, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. People are struggling. It's hard to put the first 11 months aside in the 12th if it's been rough for you. It's hard. And so this month, these next few Sundays, I want to take you back into my playlist of songs. And I want to talk to you about some Christmas songs that I think put us in a mindset for worship. Put us in a mindset for understanding uh, what the Bible is all about, what scripture is all about. And I hope you'll get something out of it. I want to draw us into some Bible people, see how they dealt with the coming, the advent of Christ, the season of advent. They didn't know they were in the advent. They, uh, before the Messiah come, they came, they all lived in advent. Everybody was just waiting on the Messiah to show up. But this, this uh, series of songs is going to become, be called My Playlist, all right? my playlist. And today I want to start out in the gospel according to St. Matthew. And the song I want to use as a focal point today, um, the song I want to use as a focal point today, you're familiar with. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle Telling you be of good cheer. I ain't people. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That was people Bryson. For those of you 
who need to know your history. That was 1997. He didn't write it. He just covered it on one of his Christmas albums. Uh, it was actually written by a man named Edward Pola and George Weil, but it was made famous by someone else. I didn't bring his version. I thought y'all might enjoy Peebo a little bit more. Andy Williams is the one who made it famous when he first sang it. Some of you might know the Andy Williams version because that's the one you hear on TV all the time. Andy Williams in his iconic rendition of this song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's amazing he goes through and he starts detailing all the great things that come from this time of the year. You know there's caroling and there's jingle belling and there's decorations and people are of good cheer and they come around and they just want you to be excited during this time of the year. My uncle used to preach all the time that it's during this time of the year, even folk who bad, which you can't help it. They just can't help coming up to you and giving you celebratory comments. People you haven't been speaking to all the other 11 months, you see them in December, and for some reason you say Merry Christmas to them. For some reason you say Happy Holidays to them. Why? Because they say it's the most wonderful time of the year. But what does that have to do with the Bible? If it's the most wonderful time of the year, surely there should be some Bible somewhere that tells me why this period of time is so wonderful. Or is this just secular feelings that I'm having? Does any of this have to actually do with Jesus Christ? Or is it just because I'm going to be able to drink that old good eggnog or I'll maybe eat whatever it is? Y'all know that eggnog. It ain't the eggnog that barbers makes. It's that other eggnog. Yeah, that's that amped up, no offense, amped, eggnog. Second Matthew, I mean, uh, I mean Matthew 1, <laughs> sound like Donald Trump, don't I? <laughs> yeah. That was off. Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> Verses 18 through 25 talks to us about the birth of Jesus Christ. And if you never read it in that passage of Scripture, then I, I instruct you to do so. I think you'll find a lot out of it. But there's something particular about verses 18 through 25. You've never read that first chapter, talking about the lineage of Jesus Christ. There's something particular about verses 18 through 25. Cedric, it talks about Christmas story from a unique perspective somebody you don't often hear about, somebody who's not regarded much in the storytelling, but this is his part of the story. Talks about Joseph. Joseph and what part he played in the telling of the Christmas story. I believe there's some lessons from Joseph's life that can instruct us in how we too ought to deal with this advent. I believe there's some some lessons from him and how he approached it and how he dealt with the circumstances that will give us uh, the notion of why this can be the most wonderful time of the year. How many of you know that it was during that time, during that period, that Joseph, who was later to become Jesus' stepfather, can we get that right? He was his stepfather because the father of Jesus Christ was the Holy Spirit. God, the Father, in the form of the Holy Spirit, came to a young woman named Mary and impregnated her. Sounds unbelievable. Can I tell you, if you don't believe this, you're going to struggle with the rest of the Bible. Yeah, if you don't believe in the birth of Jesus Christ, then you need to be praying mightily about that because it's the foundation of our understanding of Scripture came and the Bible said he overshadowed her. Which is how a virgin can have a baby without a man touching it. He overshadowed her. And the Bible says that he, that being the baby, was given to us for a specific reason. And that's why he had to come through a non-flesh way. It had to be a spiritual conception. And according to verses 18 through 25, even though his conception was spiritual, 
he still had to live in this world. Because he still had to live in this world, the Lord knew somebody had to raise him. Somebody had to be his father. And according to Matthew chapter 1, a man named Joseph was chosen. Joseph and Mary were already betrothed. In other words, they were already living their life, y'all. How many of y'all been living your life and all of a sudden God gives you a major challenge? Something you didn't put on your plate. But God comes and gives it to you. And you then have to learn how to deal with those circumstances um, based on what God has given you. Betrothed. We don't understand what betrothal is today. That means they were already going through the Jewish rite of marriage. And to be betrothed at that time really meant they were already married. They just weren't living together. This is important. Already married. That means that daddy had already given the dowry told Joseph, she can be your wife. The parents were already involved. They'd already gone through the first part of the ceremony. The only difference is in the Jewish community, after the first part of the ceremony, the bride remains at home. I'm going to give you something to shout on right now, and I hope you understand this. We have already been betrothed to Christ. Oh, no, no, you ought to say amen on that. If you don't understand what that means, that means that Christ has already paid the dowry for us. He has paid a price for us, and we are his bride in waiting. And we're just waiting to the consummation of the wedding when we will go and live with the bridegroom forever in the marrow home. That's the period that Joseph and Mary found themselves in. Already married, but not living together. I hope y'all hear me. Because in this society, we can confuse that mightily. Yeah, it was problematic for them to get the sequence out of order. And that's what caused a ruckus in this situation when Joseph learned that even though they were married, betrothed, and not together, he knew since the ceremony, I haven't been with her. We have not consummated this marriage. Not in a fleshly way. Emotionally, we're together. Family-wise, we're together. We know that after a certain period of time, we're going to live together as husband and wife. But then up jumped the monkey. And somebody came and said, not somebody, Mary, came and said, can you imagine how hard that walk was? From her daddy's house to Joseph's house. Joseph just back there working in this little carpenter shed making chairs, you know, he had the first sticks and stuff. Uh, he back there just working, hammering and nailing and just whistling, whistling. It's the most wonderful time of the year. He just into it, singing that people version. And all of a sudden, Mary comes and knocks on the door with a look in her eye that didn't look right. And she tells him, I'm expecting and he misunderstood, probably. He said, well, baby, yeah, it's going to be good. We gonna, when we get together, life's going to be good. I'm expecting a good life. No, 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 not a good life. I'm expecting a baby. And he looks at her and said, now run that by me one more time. Because this can't be so, that you're expecting a child since I know I haven't been with you, that creates a problem for us because the only way I know in this realm of life a woman can have a baby is to be with a man. And if you're telling me that we are about to have, you about to have a baby, that means that you have cheated on me. And under those circumstances, the law afforded him the opportunity to have her stoned to death because she would have committed 
Come on, I said they were married. And if she committed adultery, which is what it would have been, the penalty for that under the time, at the time was loss of family recognition and reputation. Come on, everybody's involved in it. It's only lately that folk go get married and don't care what their family say. That, that, that's what happens. Family matters. Your family still matters. Who you marry matters. And I tell you in Birmingham, you better know who you marry. You be the married a cousin and didn't know it. It's a big old country town around here. You start going back through the family tree and all of a sudden it end up at the same trunk. Well, I ain't never seen you at the family reunion. We don't like y'all side of the family. But I like you. <laughs> I mean, it's a problem. You better talk to somebody. Know where they come from. Well, you just you really tried to sneak it in and beat and got messed up. You need to know about that. So family, family matters. Family matters. And this family's reputation would have been destroyed. And so Joseph being the kind of person that he is, according to scripture, now I say that I'm not reading because you've read it so many times before. And Joseph says in his heart, because this kind of person he was, then I'm going to put you away privately. In other words, we're not going to make a public spectacle of the situation. Can you say, I'm not going to make a public spectacle of the situation you didn't got yourself in. Why? Because I care about you. Because in this period of time, we've come together. And it wasn't until Joseph went to sleep the night after the revelation that the angel, that the angel was busy, that the angel came and let him know that what has happened to Mary has not happened because of men, but because of the Holy Spirit. And the child she's carrying will be, look at this now, the Messiah. How many of y'all think you wake up that morning saying, Woohoo! We're about to have a baby that's the Messiah. Everything's gonna be all right right now. How many of you think you get up excited? because an angel has come to you, or how many of you think you get up petrified? Not knowing what life is going to bring you, guess what, you're still poor. You still got the challenges of life every day. You still got all the issues you've had to deal with under those circumstances. You're still under Roman authority. You still got all the problems associated with life, and now God has come and put this on you too. That's why people today are struggling with this being the most wonderful time of the year. Because even though they want to have a great time this month, life is still all over them. They still got bills that money don't meet. They still got problems with their health that don't seem to be resolved by December 25th. They still got marital problems that have been going on for so long that I can't imagine they think it's going to be resolved because Christmas is coming. Issues are still abounding. We still live in a dangerous world as we know it, but guess what? They did too. The Bible says that they had to take a journey that lasted at least a week, which meant, come on now, just like me and you, we decide we're going to go on a trip. Think of all the provisions you have to get together in order to go on a trip. It was no less for them. They had to find something for her to ride on because she was big with baby. Not only did they have to go get something to ride on, they had to take provisions for a week. They had to have some extra spending money. They had to be cautious because it's dangerous traveling. And it's just him trying to be with her and protect her. This was a tough situation for Mary and Joseph to be involved in. And yet, yet we see it's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, can I tell you this? If I ask you, are you ready for Christmas? I'm not talking about do you have money. If I ask you if you're ready for Christmas, I'm not asking you if you're healthy. 
If I ask you, are you ready for Christmas? I'm not asking you if the folk you most want to be with are with you. What I'm asking you is, where is your attitude? Where do you stand not respecting all the other stuff that's going on in your life? Where is your attitude? Because it's your attitude that makes you ready for Christmas. It's your attitude that puts you in a place of expectancy. No matter the circumstance, you've got to understand where your faith is under these circumstances. And Joseph tells us by his actions how you can be ready for Christmas and make this the most wonderful time of the year. The first thing we learn from Joseph is that he was ready to accept God's will, whatever it was. Somebody ought to say amen. Most of the time when God tells us that we're required to do A, or he allows this or something to come into our lives, we spend most of the time fighting it, pushing back, trying to get it off of us, as opposed to just accepting what God has said is going to happen. Look how much energy Joseph could have spent if he decided he wouldn't go accept God's will, I know what that angel said, but I'm going over here to talk to Mary's dad. I got to have a conversation because you didn't sold me a bill of goods, dude. You told me she was good to go. <laughs> and, and looked like the, 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 the uh, baker been uh, over your house or somebody, not just the carpenter. Yeah, yeah, it's been the milkman or somebody been coming by here. Because I know what I haven't done. Come on, that's the natural. Stop acting like people in the Bible didn't have regular feeling. Stop acting like Joseph didn't have a right to be mad and upset and scared because the circumstances were upon him. He could have gone and challenged everything. Get all the elders together. Get them all together because we got to finish this right here. My reputation is not going to be besmirched because your little daughter over there Decided she wanted to be all on Facebook talking to everybody while we were. He wasn't going to do that. He didn't do it. He simply accepted what God said was going to be the case. No matter the circumstances. So look at this. He teaches us this. Be ready to accept God's will. Whatever it may be. And Joseph, just a dude. Just a guy who, after a certain period in the Bible, doesn't even show up as significant. But yet it was this man who God allowed to be the father figure for Jesus Christ. He's just a one guy who just had a small business, who was just trying to be all right. He was just trying to do right by a young lady he happened to fall in love with. And all of a sudden the world jumped on him like a, world, like a load of bricks. Because even after he determined that he was going to do God's will, he still had to get the resources together to support the situation. Look at this. So he decided, one, he's going to accept God's will. Second thing is this, and this is important. This is important because here, the only guidance he's gotten, and it had to be powerful guidance, is in a dream from God. Most of us will get up and try to figure, was that a, what? Did I really dream that? Some of you have been given some guidance in your life and, and you've moved on. Somebody's been trying to get your attention about something. God's probably been trying to tell you something. But if you've got too many, too many things in your life, sometimes it's hard for you to discern the word of God from what other folks tell you. Sit here now and tell me that you haven't been told to do one thing and instead you did something else. Tell me that. Because I know all of us have been given some guidance from the Lord to do A, and we decided to do E. Ran all the way past B and the rest of them. Why? Because we want to do what we want to do. And we want to have what we want to have, and we want to make it the way we want it to be. And Joseph wasn't complicated like that. He simply followed God's will. But just because you follow God's will, doesn't mean you just tick the box or check the box that makes life easy. Some people believe that becoming members of the church, becoming members of the church family means life is going to be easy at that point. And I'm sorry to be the one to come and let you know that no, it's not going to make it easier, but you got somebody to help you when it's tough. 
You got somebody who can see further ahead than you, who can plan down the road when you can't. You got somebody who's for you always and will bless you in every way that he can. Clearly, Joseph was a man of faith. How do I know that? Because he took God at his word. So if you're struggling right now, can I tell you this? Check your faith. Write it down. Check your faith. Who do you have faith in? Is it yourself or is it the Lord? Check your faith and see if you've been listening to him up until this point. If he's telling you something that's different right now, then you need to check your faith and see if you really are doing what the Lord wants you to do. If you find yourself in the same situation, you're struggling with everything that God has given you, then you need to check who you're depending on. Is it him or is it your own devices? Look, let me tell you this, because if you're trying to figure out what God would have you to do and, and, and write all the details out, that's our problem. We, we say, I'm going to do what God told me to do, but I got to figure all of it out, which creates problems for us. Can I remind you that the scripture says that his ways are not our ways? Because his ways are not our ways, we can't always figure all the factors out that come into, into play, all right? And we may never understand all the things that God will be doing on his side of heaven to make your life down here on this side of heaven better. Not only that, you got to remind yourself, if you want to grow through this situation, Paul told us over and over again that all things work together. All things, A-L-L, work together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. All those things work together. The first thing. Second thing you need to learn from Joseph, he accepted God's will no matter the circumstance. The second thing is this, we need to learn to care about other people. We need to stop being so selfish. So selfish. So self-centered. Yeah. Can something be good for you and not good to you? In the long run, will it balance your life? Will it make you better? Will it make you stronger? Maybe not immediately, but will you be blessed by it ultimately? The one thing that Joseph did in this scenario, if you just look at the scripture, was handle the role that God gave him. Look, look, if you go through it, look, look. Jesus' role in this Christmas story is pretty clear. He did the baby. Mary's role, obviously real clear. Gabriel had a role. His role was real clear. He was to go around and warn people. But how about this? Joseph's role was clear, too. We just don't think about it. His role was simply take care of Mary and the baby. That's all. That's all he had to do, is take care of Mary and the baby. Take care of Mary and the baby. There's a show that I like on TV. I can't get to binging it like I want to. It's called The Crown. The Crown's a great, great series. I think it's on Netflix, up to about season three. But in season one, the queen is about to get married to Prince Philip. He's struggling. The reason why she wants to marry him is because he's exciting and he's dashing. And he seems to be a real good fit for her. She thinks. She just loves him. But they get married and immediately in the marriage he struggles. Because everywhere they go he's second to her. He's not out front. In fact, he has to be subservient to her as her husband, which is a problem for him because he tells her constantly, tells her constantly, when we're out there, you're the queen. When we're in here, you're my wife. Okay. Struggling with that role. He's been struggling. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. Somebody here been struggling in that role for a whole lot of situations. But he remembered a conversation that he had with her daddy before he died, the king, before he died and she suddenly became, he said, I know you're trying to find your place. 
He said, but never lose sight of what your mission is. He said, I know you want to be the prince. That's all well and good. But can I tell you something? She is the job. Not the crown. Her. She is the crown. I mean, the job. If you take care of her, then the rest of it will fall in place. Take care of the primary problem. And the primary mission I'm giving you is to take care of her. Joseph learned this early on, that his sole mission was to take care of Mary and Jesus. Clearly he loved Mary because he and Mary would go on to have four more sons and two daughters. Y'all didn't know that. You got to read past that little card they give you in Sunday school. <laughs> yeah, they loved each other. They had a big family, which was not unusual at that time. But Jesus was the oldest one. And his sole mission was to make sure they had a place to stay. Look at where he shows up. He taught Jesus how to be a carpenter. Taught him a trade. He taught him all the things a good Jewish father would teach his son. That was the role that God gave him. He put others before himself. How do I know that? Because he could have had a stone to death. He put her interest before his own interest. So accept what God has given you, no matter the circumstances. Learn how to care about other folk. And then the last thing we can learn from Joseph, and this makes it the most wonderful, I believe, the most wonderful time of the year. If you accept what God has given you, no matter what, learn how to care about other folk. Make this a season not of you, of them, of others. Then this truly can be the most wonderful time of the year. And then the last thing is this. You need to learn to give whatever you have to give. Just learn to give whatever you have. Stop trying to make stuff happen that wasn't supposed to happen in the first place. Stop stretching all your resources for, because it's always, can I tell you, it's always that one moment of gratitude that everybody's working toward. You want to see how they look when they open that box. Oh, they were so happy. You just went and took money out your 401k so you could see that, oh, moment. I tell when I'm standing down here with a bride, I mean with a groom at a wedding, there's a one moment, there's one moment that every man has always waited on. Wherever we are, we down there, we up here, when they start praying that bridal march, he's standing up here, I said, this is it. This is it. And she starts down that aisle, and he turns around and gets that first glance. Woo! That's the moment. You can bottle that moment. If you can bottle that feeling and that image, because that's what he's been waiting on. In other words, she's coming to you. That's what's going through your head right there. Gone are the color swatches and the cake tasting. Gone are you mad about tuxedos and gowns. Gone are the, you know, the payments you still got to make on the ring. All you're concerned about at that moment is she said yes to me. You can bottle that and pick it up on a day when things get tough. That'll put things in perspective. If you can get back to that feeling, it'll make you say, I'm sorry. It'll make you appreciate one another just a little bit more. Now, I don't know the perspective from back there. Too tough. I've only done that one time. But I would imagine that when she turns the corner and sees him standing here like a knight in shining armor uh, or something, <laughs> she too feels that way, that I'm going to be with him. All these folks sitting here, people smiling, clicking, taking pictures, and it goes faded out. She doesn't see anybody coming down that aisle but him standing right here. And for a moment, just for a moment, it's just the two of them in this space. And all you care about is being together. That's all. 
You're not worried about the fact that neither one of y'all got no money when you leave there? Not worried about that. You're not worried about the fact that everybody was against y'all getting married right now. Wanted you to wait. You're not worried about all those issues because you figure, this is what you say, whatever it is, we'll work it out together. That's how it is in this relationship with the Lord. Sometimes you just need to fade everybody else out. Whatever it is you have to give to him, that's what you offer him. We've heard the poignant stories about this time. I have no gifts to bring, so I play my drum for him. We've heard those stories about all of these characters who come and all they do is give just the little bit they know how to give. Stop trying to do superhuman things to make people smile for an instant and instead learn how to do meaningful things that include you in people's lives. There's a story of a man and a woman who were sitting in a diner with their baby. They had stopped there on the way to visit her parents for the holidays. The baby was a little noisy, spoke to everybody that came in. Hello, hello. It's just that kind of baby. He had learned how to say hi there, except he had joined the two words together, so it sounded like he was saying hi there. Hi there. But everybody who came in was just loving him. After a while, the diner was empty. It was just a couple, and they couldn't really see, but it seemed like there was a gentleman across the way the baby kept saying, hi there, hi there. And every time the baby would say it, the person would say, hello, little boy. Hello, little boy. And so finally, they got a good picture of the person sitting there. And much to their dismay, it was an older gentleman who clearly had seen better times in his life. All his clothes were bedraggled and torn up. He looked like he hadn't shaven obeyed in a while. Clearly he was struggling with life. But for some reason that baby was having a good time back and forth with this man. And the man seemed to be enjoying it too. And so he said to the baby, do you know how to play patty cake? And he started ghost playing patty cake to the baby. They didn't even know the baby knew how to do it. The baby started doing it back and forth with the man. And this went on for a while. Mom and daddy got uneasy because it seemed like the relationship was getting a little too close. You know how we are these days. We ain't got enough hand sanitizer for all that. <laughs> what they're saying, because they're looking at this man outwardly. So the daddy said, I'm gonna go pay the bill. You take the baby on out to the car and I'll meet you out there. Well, as it would have it, she had to go right past the man to get to the car. And as she did, for some reason, the baby reached out to the man. And the man instinctively reached out to the baby. And before mama could realize what was happening, baby was in man's arm with his head on his shoulder. You know how they get you. Because babies don't see what we see. And the man just patted the baby on the back. And the mama, half shocked, half horrified, not knowing what to do, just stood there frozen. Well, after a few seconds, she reached and she got the baby back. And the man looked at her and he said to her, ma'am, thank you so much. He said, you've given me the best Christmas present I've ever had in my life. Why? Because you let me share in your baby's life. Just give what you can give. Now, they could have given this man $50. It would have been meaningless. It might have helped him. 
They could have paid for his meal, but they gave him the gift of belonging. And belonging matters more than any of that other stuff. Give what you can give. Find someone who needs you, not what you have, but just needs you to be a part of their life. Let someone come into your area, your home, who might not otherwise come. Let them be a part of your life. This is what Joseph did. Joseph didn't plan this situation, but he dealt with the situation as God gave it to him. He accepted it. He took care of his primary mission, which was Mary and the baby. Took care of him until he died. That was his job. I'm just going to give myself to them. And then whatever he had, he shared with them, and God took care of the rest of it. That's how you make this the most wonderful time of the year. I know you're sitting there saying that Christmas, we've been messed up, y'all. We've been messed up. J.C. Penney's catalog has messed us up. Target trying to come back and rekindle that love. Toys R Us did the same thing. We've gotten to a place where we think you got to have stuff in order to be happy. And if you're not providing stuff, then you're not providing what you need. Can I tell you right now, my mama was extremely generous when it came to Christmas. Every Christmas morning looked like, uh, and this is the truth, and I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you how it was, it looked like a department store when we came out. She made it her mission to do what she could. She was broke after that. I'm be honest with you, she was broke after that. She struggled after that often, trying to take care of the loans she had gotten to pay for all that stuff. She never knew that for a long time I would have given anything for her just not to have to work on Christmas Day. She'd be at work at the hospital while we were up playing with all the stuff. And I couldn't hardly wait till 3.30 when she got home. That made more, meant more to me, us, than all the stuff. Now, did we play with the toy? It did. But more than anything, we wanted, we wanted her to be there. She never, I don't know if she ever understood that she was more valuable than all the stuff she got us. Who needs you? Who's depending on you? Make this the most wonderful time of the year for them and for you. There's a young man named Wally. Wally was born at a time when his mama had some physical issues. And some of those issues resulted in Wally not being able to accelerate in school as much as other kids. He had some learning deficiencies. But his teachers understood, and they always tried to integrate Wally to everything that was going on in the class. And so it came time for the class to have its Christmas play. And they decided that the best position for them to give Wally in the Christmas production was for him to be the innkeeper. It had the fewest lines, and Wally was bigger than most of the other kids. He was taller and a little beefier than most of them, doughier than some of them. And, and so Wally had to learn a couple of lines for when Mary and Joseph reached the inn. Unfortunately, we've made the innkeeper out to be a villain in this story when all he really did was say there's no room in the end. But they taught Wally, say it hard, forcefully. We have no room in the end. And so Mary and Joseph came along with the little baby, the little bunting, and they got to the innkeeper's door and they knocked on it. And Wally came to the door and opened it true to form. And Joseph said his lines, and when he said his lines, Wally said, there is no room in the end, really forcefully. And then Mary said, but I'm about to give birth. 
Wiley repeated his next line. And then there was one of them pauses. You know them pauses like we have when we have Christmas plays? When you know somebody's supposed to be saying something. <laughs> and yet they forgot it. And then Marche sitting over there saying the line real loud. <laughs> and Marche was saying, be gone. Be gone. Finally kicked in with Wally. And Wally said, be gone. And Joseph said, but we have nowhere else to go. And then he and Mary sadly turned around. And in just a few seconds, Wally said to them, it's okay, you can have my room. <laughs> <laughs> and the production director threw her hands up knowing that the play had been ruined. But what she didn't realize is what may have gone bad on the play actually hit the right spiritual tone. Because when you don't have anything else to give to anybody, you give yourself away. You just give them the best that you got. And so I came to tell you today, if you want this to be the most wonderful time of the year, then do what Jesus Christ did. He gave himself to us. That was the best gift he could ever give. He gave himself to us. When was the last time you gave all of you to somebody? When was the last time you entered this season without a spirit of expectation? Wondering what somebody was going to bless you with. If I had the ability, I'd wipe that out of your mind and tell you, don't worry about what somebody's going to give you. Worry about what you can do for somebody else. And I'm so glad that the bridegroom came and gave his life for us. I'm so glad that he didn't wait until we were able to give him something in response. Don't spend this season on social media looking at all the fake stuff that people put together trying to convince you that their life is perfect. They're doing that just to get the like that you're going to put on there. But when the cameras go down, they still got the same issues that you and I have. Nobody ever posts on social media when they're at home crying at night by themselves. Nobody ever posts on social media when they're lonely and everybody else is gone. Nobody ever posts the empty plate when they don't have anything to eat. Nobody ever posts that stuff. It's just the stock pictures. Don't put yourself in that situation. Leave all that alone and I guarantee you, it'll be the most wonderful time of the year. He came, he came, come on y'all, he came and died for us. But he didn't just die for us, that's good. He lives for us right now, all because he gave himself away. That's it, why? So we can gave himself away.